If you have a Bible, I would invite you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We've seen in our series on the armor of God that our enemy lives to destroy, that he constantly breathes out fiery threats against us ever ceasing every moment. There is no truce, there is no peace, there is no ceasefire, only constant siege, attack, assault. And one of the primary ways that the evil one wages war against us is by means of an unrelenting barrage of temptations. Temptations come at us from all directions. And today, we will speak and learn about how we might protect ourselves from these temptations. Luther, Martin Luther, who wrote the song, A Mighty Fortress, which we sang at the very end, speaks to the same idea but with changing the metaphor a little bit. He doesn't speak of battle imagery. He speaks of, well, birds of the air. He says, temptations, of course, cannot be avoided, but just because we cannot prevent the birds from flying over our heads, that does not mean that we should allow them to nest in our hair. In other words, we can do nothing to stop Satan's attacks. We can do nothing to stop his temptations coming our way, but we need not allow or act on those fiery temptations that he lets loose on us. We have God-given armor to protect us from every array of temptation that we will face from the evil one. And we need not have a bird make a nest in our hair or to use the battle imagery allow the temptations from the evil one to scorch our consciences. So today, we're going to continue to think about the armor of God and specifically how to protect ourselves from Satan's blistering attacks. And we look today at how to take up the shield of faith. Now remember our greater purpose. Every Christian, as we've seen, is under attack and we all must learn to protect ourselves. We all must protect ourselves. No one can sit this one out. There are no neutral observers. Just as Jesus is our protection by grace, He gives us His own armor for us to stand strong and be protected by. Today, we take up the shield of faith, which is the shield of faith, which is the trust of or the trust we have in Jesus Christ. We're going to examine how to extinguish these darts, or to borrow Luther's metaphor, how to prevent birds from making nests in our hair. The main idea is this. We want to thwart our fi- the fiery temptations by actively trusting Jesus. Now, it sounds basic, elementary even, but it's surprising how many of us have allowed birds at times to, te- to nest in our hair. I'm going to read beginning in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to read there, but we're only going to focus on verse 16. I read starting in verse 10 to remind us of the context. God's word, his inerrant word says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In our section for today, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you would come in power as we consider your word today. We don't want to learn. We want to change. And so, Lord, come in power so that we might be able to hear your very voice as the word is preached. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're called to thwart. This passage calls us to thwart fiery temptations by actively trusting in Jesus. The two questions we're going to ask is when and how. Now the key to understanding how and when to thwart the devil is by the the repetition of the little word all that we see twice in verse 16. At At the front of the verse we read, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith. Then we read, toward the end, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So, when are we to take up the shield of faith? At all times. At all times. Verse 16. In all circumstances, or we could render that, at all times, take up the shield of faith. Now, the shield Paul is thinking about is not a circular, small kind of shield, but one that's rectangular and would have protected the soldier from the shoulders all the way down to below his knees. It was kind of like a small door. Soldiers would wrap the shield in leather and have that leather doused in water to snuff out any flaming arrows that would come their way. And Paul equates this shield as the shield of faith, the shield which is faith. Faith itself is is our shield against the flaming arrows of the evil one. But what does that mean? See, I say the word faith, and we immediately, because we're Americans, have a misunderstanding of what that means. What does that word faith mean? Faith, in our vocabulary, oftentimes can exist somewhere outside of being connected to anything. We can talk about our faith. We can talk about the faith. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that we understand Faith, to be real, must be connected to something or someone. So what we have here is the shield of faith in Christ. It's the shield of faith in Christ. We must, to be able to be protected, actively, personally, take up the shield that is faith in Jesus Christ to protect ourselves. Our protection is the active, lively faith we must have in Jesus Christ for protection. Our protection from the fiery temptations of the evil one is not the fact that we prayed a prayer in a meeting nine years ago. 
Our protection is not in the fact that we raised a hand in a meeting once a long time ago and said we would follow Jesus. Our protection is not in the fact that we tear up sometimes at a worship song. Our protection is not in the fact that we tithe for years. Our protection is not in the fact, our protection against the evil one is not in the fact that we pray and read the Bible most of the time. Our protection is not that we've done many mighty names and many mighty things in the name of Jesus or that we've preached many sermons calling others to follow Jesus. None of those things are bad, but none of them offer ultimate protection against the fiery darts of the evil one. Only faith in Jesus can do this. Only belief, trust in Jesus can protect us from the fiery darts of the evil one. As we trust in Jesus, we are protected. Where we have unbelief concerning Jesus, we are left vulnerable. It's as simple as that. Trust Jesus with an active, lively trust, faith, belief. You're protected. Trust anything else, yourself, money, leisure, your security at work, your wife, your husband, your family, that your kids obey, you are vulnerable. See, we must actively trust in Christ at all times or else we will fall and fail. Because Christianity is not a philosophy or a set of principles designed to give us a fulfilled, happy, problem-free life. Following Jesus is the only way we have in this life to make it. We're not going to be able to avoid hardship. We're thrust in the middle of a battle every day. And we must be ready to fight and protect ourselves. If you're a Christian, the question is not, am I under attack? You're always under attack. The question is, am I protected? See, one of the schemes of the evil one is to convince us it's a ceasefire. And that you're safe. And that you don't need to be all uptight and, and troubled. You just calm down. It's all right. But it's not true. Our natural state is one of war. You see, there's a brand of heretical teaching that goes along with this faith, this word faith, that tries to convince Christians that they're not in a state of war. This kind of pseudo-Christianity preaches that if you are suffering, or if you are poor, or if you are distressed, or if you are sick, or if you are otherwise lacking in any way, shape, or form, it's because you don't have enough faith. They teach that God is willing and able to bless you if you just lay hold of his blessing by having more faith. That's a lie. And it's called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is no gospel, and it's peddled by false teachers that go around saying things like this. If you have enough faith in God, you will be blessed and things will go well. Or if you pray hard enough and long enough, you will enjoy material blessing. Or if you, you can generate your own faith and spiritual energy and use that to gain blessing from God. In other words, if you believe enough or have enough faith, God will reward you with health, wealth, happiness, and fulfillment. Obey God, and He must bless you. He's duty-bound. That is a false characterization of faith. 
See, we're called, we're called not to have faith that the Lord will bless us, but that we are his and that he is ours. See, the problem here with thinking that if somehow I'm not fulfilled at work or if I'm poor or if I'm unhappy, somehow I lack faith, the problem is, is that it takes our eyes and puts our eyes on ourselves and calls us to examine the strength or the power of our faith. Now, does our passage ask us to do that? No. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 16, in all circumstances, what does it say? Take up the shield of strong faith, right? Nope. Let me try again. Um, In all circumstances, take up the shield of all-surpassing faith. Wrong again. What does it say? In all circumstances, take up the shield of mighty faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of perfect faith. No. Actually, what does it say? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Just faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. Biblically speaking, faith is an invitation to look away from ourselves and look toward Jesus Christ, what he's done, who he is, and and that he matters much more than we do. What matters is not the strength of our faith, but the strength of the one we believe in. Instead of asking, how much faith do I have? Or how strong is my faith? We should ask, who is my faith in? The object of our faith is always far more important than the amount of our faith. The object of our faith, who we have faith in, who we believe in, who we trust in, is always more important than the amount of our faith. The point is not, how many faith units have I placed on Jesus? Only, do I have even the slightest, smallest part of my heart where I trust in Him? You see, the shield of faith is a protection because we have faith in Jesus. Imperfect faith, not as strong a faith as we should have, not as robust as it should be, but faith nonetheless, authentic faith. Because let's be honest, do any of us trust the Lord Jesus enough? No. Do any of us trust Him perfectly? No. Do any of us trust Him with an all-surpassing kind of faith that, that eclipses all troubles where we have no questions? No. Those questions are quite beside the point, though. The point is, do you trust Jesus? We may not have a strong faith, but we do have a strong Savior. We we may not have all-surpassing faith, but we do have an all-surpassing Savior. We may not have mighty faith, but we do have a mighty Savior. We may not have perfect faith, but we do have a perfect Savior. See, He is the protection against the evil one for us. Our faith isn't the protection. What is our protection? How much we believe? No. 
Who we believe in? Yes. Do you see that? That's key. It's key here. We need to recognize that our protection is not how much we believe in Jesus, but that we believe in Jesus. Now, am I saying it's okay to have weak faith or that I want everybody to have weak faith? Absolutely not. I want us to grow in, I want us to grow in, the, in how much we trust the Lord. That's why we gather together on a weekly basis and sing songs of truth and pray and open God's Word. That's what we're doing to build our faith so that it's not as weak as it was yesterday. But if we get captured with and taken by examining and measuring our own faith, we will always be vulnerable before the wiles of the evil one. Always. So friends, we must look away from ourselves and look instead to Jesus. The protection here is Jesus and not how much we believe in Jesus, just that we do. You don't have to have strong faith or perfect faith or a lot of faith, just an authentic faith in Jesus Christ. The devil would love nothing more than to paralyze us into drooping, having drooping hands that drops our shield so that we look away from Jesus and what he has done and ask ourselves, do I trust him enough? You don't, we don't, I don't, none of us do. But do we authentically trust him? None of us, friends, Christians, trust him like we should. Here's where we need to trust the Lord more than our wayward hearts. Because our hearts say, well, I don't trust him enough. True. But he doesn't demand perfect trust. He just demands authentic trust. And this is why we need to forcefully take our shields and raise them up against the attacks from the evil one and remind ourselves it's not about how much I trust him. It's about how much. It's about him protecting me. It's about who I trust in. We know. See, this is why we daily need to remind ourselves that Jesus is trustworthy. When we remind ourselves what he has done for us and that he is ultimately trustworthy, our faith grows. If we look at our faith and say, I need to do this better, I need to be more, I need to, I need to somehow improve, our faith falls. But if we look at Jesus Christ and say, man, he came to earth not to punish the lost, but to be punished for the lost, that builds our faith. When we look at him and say, he came to earth. He left heaven. Not to be crowned as a king on earth, but to be crushed like a criminal. So that I might be able to be with him for all eternity. That builds faith. He did this so that he might be able to pay for my every sin. He did this because my sins were bad, but my good deeds weren't good enough either. He came, he became sin so that I might become the very righteousness of God. And as we focus on what he's done, our faith grows. This is why we must have an active trust in Jesus. So that we might find that faith in Jesus is our shield. 
This is why, for example, every Sunday, you'll notice that our songs are not, our songs point us to Jesus so that we can be reminded week by week, Christian, we have good reason to trust him. We had good reason last week, we have good reason again. This is why, this is why we preach sermons that are focused on Jesus Christ, not just because that's our philosophy, but because that's what the Bible does. The Bible at every turn on every page shows us it's worthwhile to trust the trustworthy Savior. Always. This is why we gather together and remind ourselves that as we sing, though we might be outnumbered in the world that we live in, though we might not be in the majority as Christians, we are gathered together in outpost of the Holy One where we can sing with gusto toward the Lord knowing that, that one day He will make all things right and we can entrust Him with our present and our future. Otherwise, faith is just empty wishes. But faith in Jesus moves mountains or protects us from the evil one. Any who trust in his sacrifice enjoy salvation, protection, and preservation. And he promises to be our protection against the temptation of the evil one. Now this isn't let go and let God. Remember, verse 16 calls us each individually to take up the shield of faith. So don't let it drop. Take it up. Pick it up. Pick up. Whatever meager faith you have, whatever small faith you have in Christ, and be protected from the temptations of the evil one. When? At all times. It is not ever safe to drop your guard. So let's review. There are good questions and bad questions to ask ourselves about our faith or the shield of faith. A bad question is, do I trust Jesus enough? None of us do. We could all trust Jesus more. We should all trust him way more than we do. There's no reason for us ever to trust someone, to to question someone so trustworthy, but we do all the time. He has always ever showed showed himself to be completely faithful. Jesus does not demand perfect faith. A good question is, do I authentically trust Jesus? Even though it's not what it should be, my trust in Jesus is authentic. Do I believe that only Jesus can preserve me in this life and eternally? Do I believe that only He can protect me from all the problems that I face? Do I believe that He can protect me more than family, money, education, leisure? Do I believe that? Even just a tiny bit more each day. Do I authentically trust Jesus? That's the question. A bad question is, is my faith strong enough? No, it's not. We're often too weak. We're we're, we're weak. Our faith is weak. We, We have weak trust in Jesus. And this is seen as we just roll through our lives with our set routines thinking and trusting in our plans and our desires and our passions with few thoughts on the Lord. And then something happens and we cry out and say, Jesus, help. A good question is, how can I strengthen my trust in Jesus? How can I strengthen my trust in Jesus? How in the world can I strengthen my trust in who He is? One way is to identify and kill those things that we trust in our lives that are not Jesus. Typically, that's mostly ourselves. Nothing robs us and our faith in Christ 
more than the faith we have in ourselves and our own ability. We are a self-sufficient lot who do not really believe Him when He says, without me, you can do nothing. We think we're strong. We think we're in control. But we're not. Do you doubt that? Just decide today. I'm not going to sleep for 48 hours and see how you do. Poorly. We are not as strong as we think we are. We can strengthen our trust and grip on Jesus as we let go of trusting ourselves, what seems to make sense in our own minds. If we want to strengthen our grip, think of all the blessings that we have received from the hand of the Lord. They are all from Him. He has counted them out one by one and given them to us. We might not be constantly thinking of Him, but He is constantly upholding us and thinking of us and sending blessing to us. How can I strengthen my trust in Jesus? Another bad question is, do I ever have doubts? Real Christians never have doubts. Really? All Christians have doubts. Anyone who says they don't have doubts are incredibly, either incredibly naive or a brand new Christian who isn't yet self-aware. We all have doubts. All of us. The question isn't, do we have doubts? It's what do we do with our doubts? Do we let our doubts become like birds nesting in our hair? Jesus himself says that we merely need the faith of a mustard seed or a tiny amount of faith in him. That's enough. Again, the point is not how much faith you have, but who you've invested your faith in. Our method of protection is at all times to take up the shield of faith in Jesus Christ. When? At all times. So that means we need, as Christians, to work hardest to trust Jesus. Daily, hourly, moment by moment. Without Him, trusting Him, we will have no protection. We thwart the fiery temptations by actively trusting in Jesus. At all times. That's when. How? Through all assaults. Through all assaults. We read this at the end of the second half of verse 16. You can look with me. With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How many of the flaming darts can we extinguish? All of them. What if it's a really fancy dart that is especially hot? Still can be extinguished. What if it's a strategy the devil and his horde has worked on for years? Still can be extinguished. In other words, there is no assault, no temptation that can harm us as we trust in Jesus. Trusting in Jesus is our shield. All of our fiery temptations can be extinguished. <clears throat> the Baptist preacher Ian Bound said, No battle has ever, was ever planned by hell's most gifted strategist which can conquer faith in Jesus. 
All its inflamed and terrible darts fall harmless as they strike against the shield of faith. So how do we quench the fiery darts? By trusting in Jesus. By trusting in Him. See, this is where a temptation, essentially, from the evil one tells us to trust in something else beside Jesus. And this is the way... So we have three great enemies in this world. The world, which isn't the earth, but the thoughts and philosophies of the world. The flesh, which is our remaining sin nature, and the devil. Not every temptation to sin comes from Satan. Sometimes it comes from our misaligned hearts and desires. Often we're not going to be able to know or tell where temptation comes from. Sometimes it comes from inside only. Sometimes it comes as Satan knows where we're weak and he gives us temptations that he knows are going to be a particular difficulty for us. He knows those things that would be a temptation to us and those things that are not. He shoots temptations of all all sorts. Lust, greed, malice, avarice, comparison, control, judgmentalism, self-righteousness. And see, if if (coughs) if we don't believe Jesus as our protection, those fiery darts hit us in the side of the head and just keep burning. They just keep burning and keep affecting us. Think about lust. Temptation comes, hits you in the head, burns, and you muse on it. And you think about it. And then you think about acting on it. Then you justify your action on it. If you were to act on it, then you act on that temptation. See, essentially what the temptation says is you won't be happy unless you pursue this or that. You won't be safe if you don't don't pursue this or that or go to this website or go to that website or see this person or talk to that person. We're not going to be able to stop the fiery temptations that come our way, but we do have a means of protection from them, and that's our shield that is faith in Jesus Christ. See, there's a danger in assuming that, other, that we can construct other shields to protect ourselves. Only trust in Jesus can protect us from temptations that the evil one sends our way. I'll show you what I mean. Temptation comes and says, the evil one says, take up the shield of isolation. Take up the shield of isolation, then you'll be protected. And he says, the evil one says, you've, been, you've given in to temptation so many times that you are only safe from God and other people if you pull away and isolate yourself. There's no safety in opening up to the Lord or opening up to other people because if you do that, They're either going to judge you, think less of you. It's just going to go bad. No one's going to understand. The Lord's just going to crush you if you go back to him. So you should isolate. 
No, we thwart fiery temptations by actively trusting in Jesus Christ. Here's how we do that with the shield of faith. See, when the temptation to isolate comes, after we've sinned, usually what happens, or even after we've lived in a pattern of sin, the temptation is to think that I can't go to Jesus and give this to Him again because He's just going to crush me, but that is not true. Jesus is the only safe place. You can trust Him to treat you better than you deserve. The evil one wants to convince you that he does not understand, but he does. He is loving and he is gracious. And many of his saints are too. Isolation equals death. Take up not the shield of isolation, but the shield of faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes he comes and says, take, why don't you take up for your protection the shield of constant shame. He says, much like what we heard during worship, you can never hope to erase that shameful mark on your soul. You're compromised. You're damaged. There is no hope for you. You are unworthy. God cannot use you. And you have to wear this shame like a garment forever. No, we thwart this fiery temptation not by trusting in the shield of constant shame, but by trusting in the shield of faith In Jesus Christ. Here's how we do that. When the temptation comes, we can say, I believe I am a guilty sinner. But Jesus saves guilty sinners. That's the only kind of person He saves. He does not save the worthy or the righteous. He saves the unworthy and the unrighteous. He is kind and gracious and loving. He is more kind often and more gracious than our own hearts. Though we richly deserve punishment, we have received mercy and grace. The shield of shame. Throw it down. Enjoy forgiveness that comes with the shield of faith in Jesus. Sometimes the evil one says there's protection in the shield of deflection. When he comes and says the sinful pattern that you're living in is not so bad. There's a lot of people in your life that are probably doing the exact same thing. Don't be so uptight. Relax. It's not such a big deal. Calm down. No, actually, we thwart these fiery temptations by actively trusting in Jesus and say that my sin is bad. It's so bad that, it, that my Savior had to die in my place. I am worse than I think, but... I am also more loved and more accepted than I can ever imagine. If I treat sin as a small and trifling thing, I will treat my Lord's sacrifice as irrelevant and foolish. Only with Jesus is it safe to be serious about sin, knowing that He freely forgives. Not once or twice, but every time. We don't have to pretend or deflect. That is no protection. Only the shield of faith in Jesus is protection. Sometimes the evil one says, throw down the shield of faith and pick up the shield of distraction. He says, enjoy yourself. There's no need to get serious about serving the Lord. There's time for that down the road. You're young. Do what you want. 
He can get all kinds of things done without you. Throw yourself into something else. Do something else. Be about something else. No. There's no protection there. We thwart these fiery temptations by actively trusting in Jesus Christ. We hold up the shield of faith and remind ourselves that I am not my own and that Jesus has bought me with His blood. I live as a Christian now to serve Him and His purposes. He knows better what I need than I know what I need. And there is nothing like giving myself over to Him fully and completely. And there is no happiness found in being distracted. Trusting that Jesus and in Him is fulfillment and happiness. He knows better. We need not distract ourselves. We need instead to trust in Jesus who is our protection and our faith. The shield of faith. Sometimes the evil one says, throw down the shield of faith and take up the shield of intellectual ascent. He says, okay, it's great. You know what Jesus did? He died, he rose, bravo, you believe that? Okay, that's enough. It's a big t- he's, he's important, it's fine. Why don't you make Jesus just a little bit of part of your life over here to the side, but you can be about all these other things. It's great that he died for your sins, but what difference does that really make? Just go live your life like you want to. No. Actually, we thwart these fiery temptations by actively trusting Jesus and by actively putting our faith in Him, knowing that we cannot merely make Jesus a part of our lives. He must be our very lives. Our lives, Christians, do not make sense, and we work to to push this into our mind, if Jesus is not the center and point of our lives. I am not the point of my own life. You are not the point of your own life. Your fulfillment is not His highest goal. Your godliness is. For His glory. And if I believe that, I believe that without Jesus, I am nothing. Then intellectual assent is... is, is not where we, we, we can't just put Jesus as part of what we do. He's all of who we are. There's no protection by holding yourself back. Sometimes the evil one comes and says, take up the shield of virtuous sin. He says, only you know how hard it is to be authentic. You need to be true to yourself. You need to do what feels best. No one, no matter what they say, can tell you what is right for you. Your truth needs to be discovered by what you feel. Who you are needs to be, you need to be authentic. You need to be real. No matter what the Bible says. No. See, what we're doing there is we're trusting what seems right in our own eyes. But we thwart these fiery temptations and extinguish these fiery darts by actively trusting in Jesus Christ. This is how we use our shield of faith. We have to say, I believe that my feelings go astray and they are not a faithful compass. But my Savior will never lead me astray. And if I live by my feelings, I will shipwreck my soul. Feelings are not the source of my identity. Jesus is. Sometimes the evil one comes and says, take up the shield of protection 
that God is harsh and he will punish. He says, you're a worthless sinner. God is ready to pounce. He's coming and he's going to try to get you and he's going to get you. And in fact, those bad feelings you carry around are proof. Get ready. He is going to smite you. And so run away. No, we thwart these fiery temptations. We extinguish these, these, these darts, these, these lies by actively trusting in Jesus Christ, by holding up the shield that is, that is faith in Jesus. I believe God is merciful with sinners, patient with the wayward, kind to the faltering like me. And he promises, not now or ever, to treat me as my sins deserve. My God is not harsh, and he is not holding out on me. How do I know? Because I can see what he did to his son. I can see that he did not treat his sons, his son according to his good deeds, but he treated his son according to my sins. He is not harsh, and I can trust in my Savior without reserve. You see, one of the goals I have for this series for all of us is that we would grow together in confidence that our trust in Jesus is all we need to protect us today, tomorrow, and always. It's possible to be genuinely saved, a genuine, authentic Christian, and yet not have much confidence in Jesus. Not have much confidence that He is for you, or with you, or able to protect you. And that is no way to live. That's, a, that's, that's miserable. I don't want us to go around feeling defeated, discouraged, downcast, dejected, gloomy. Instead, I want us to be confident. Joel Beakey says this, if Satan cannot keep believers out of heaven, and he can't, he will do what he can to keep heaven out of believers here on earth. See, I think this is where we must be confident. Not in ourselves, or our potential, but in Jesus and the strength that He provides. We can and will be protected from any attack as we trust in Christ, our Savior, our substitute. Let us take up the shield that is faith, trust, belief in Jesus Christ daily, hourly, moment by moment. Let the flaming darts of temptation that surely come fizz out against the faith we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray for, I just pray that you would bless our church, Lord. 
Lord, I pray particularly those here who feel compromised and unworthy. I pray, Lord, that you would I pray that you would help them to look away from themselves and their accomplishments. I pray that you would help them to look away from themselves and the and how they feel or the strength and the depth of their sin. And I pray that they would look instead to you. Lord, I pray that you would build here at Center Church a people that are strong, not in our own abilities, but strong in the fact that you are working in and through us. And we do not have any, that we have no call or right to, reserve, to, to pull back and reserve anything of ourselves at all. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in strength. I pray that you would help us to grow in our trust and hope and faith in you. I pray that we would, as life continues to, to go out before us, help us to be a people that continually always, in every moment, look to You. Help us to look away from ourselves. Help us to look away from our sensibilities. Help us to look away from what makes sense. Help us to look away from all those things that that seem to offer a way of escape and look instead to You, knowing that, Jesus, You will be our only protection. You are our only protection. You are our only hope. And I pray, Lord, that You would Minister to all of us. I pray especially for those who feel unworthy. I pray that you would help them not to just stay in that shame, but have that. I pray that you would convict their sins, convict them of their sins, and help them to turn to you, Lord, and authentically put their faith in you. But if they're not believers, I pray that they would trust in you, lay their sins aside, and put them upon you. I pray that if they're Christians, Lord, I pray that we would, as Christians, have the honesty to confess to you and one another our failings and sin. Knowing that you will forgive. I pray that you would help us to look to no other place but you for protection. Jesus, it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.